Our scripture reading for tonight is from 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 28. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 28. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. And those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has, also, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray. So, Father, we are haunted by death. But we are surrounded and immersed breathing the air of a culture that simultaneously loves death and despises it and fears it and panics in the sight of it. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to learn the connections between sin and death and the glory that you have conquered sin and undone death. And God, may we learn what it is to repent of sin and to fear death no more. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. There have always been some mad people in the world, some crazy people in the world. These people who don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. They've always been here. Even in Paul's day, they existed. These crazy ones, insane ones, who don't believe in resurrection. And to not believe in resurrection, to not believe in the resurrection from the dead, well, that'll drive somebody crazy. And we live in a world that is absolutely crazy, obsessed with death, trying to find any way it can to free itself of death, panicking in the face of a pandemic, fleeing death at every possible turn, not knowing, not believing that the inextricable link that ties our sin, our rebellion against God, to the penalty of death. 
Our world runs from death, fights death at every turn, screams for immortality because it insists on being its own God. And it also insists of not having to pay the penalty of rebelling against the God who is the source of all life. So what does Paul do with that argument? I I want us to see tonight as we, um, just for a few minutes, that the, the glorious truth that Paul argues for in these verses. This is very intentionally a foreshadowing of Easter because I believe that all of Lent is a foreshadowing of Easter. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you insane people say that there is, he didn't say that, but how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? There existed in Paul's time um, this group of people, and they actually exist in our time, or at least they live this way in our time, who would say and believe in some sense Christ was raised from the dead, um, but there is no resurrection of the dead. Um, this peeks its head up in all kind of different forms or malforms of Christianity um, that believe that our eternal destiny is merely to be in heaven someday, disembodied, probably in white robes, hopefully floating on clouds, um, singing songs forever and ever and ever, disembodied. Um, believing that Christ actually bodily came out of the grave, but that we don't come out of the grave, that there is no real resurrection from the dead. But Paul says that the two, um, that, that that belief is foolish, it's crazy, it's insane. It doesn't work. And he works through a logical argument that, that essentially says, look, um, if, if there is no resurrection from the dead, if that is not in fact the, the aim of all that God has done for us in Christ, then Christ himself has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then we find ourselves lying about who God is and what God is doing in the world. And if we find ourselves lying about what God is doing, what God is up to in the world, in other words, if there really is no resurrection from the dead, if Christ really has not been raised, then all we have left is our sins and the consequence of those sins, which is death. And this is what it is to live in the world apart from Christ. You have only your sins and the penalty for your sins which is death. And as Christians, we gather in this room confessing something quite different. Our sins have been paid for. They've been dealt with. They've been forgiven. We confess in our baptism that our sins have been washed of us. And that death no longer holds us. It no longer has a sting. It no longer, because we no longer bear the penalty for our sins, death no longer hangs over us as a specter to be feared, to be run from. But rather, as Paul even says in this text and became common in the early church, Christians simply go to sleep. We sleep for a while and then we're awakened. The reality is that that we look out at a world that seems still to be overrun with the power of sin, the rule of sin, and death seems to be everywhere. Whether it's posted numbers of deaths related to a pandemic or it's um, related wars breaking out in the Ukraine, death seems to surround us. 
And so what do we say in the face of this death? Flip over with me to the next page. Paul says in verse 54, in describing what will one day be our hope, what is our hope and one day be true of us, that we will put on the imperishable in verse 54. I love that. It doesn't say we will take off the mortal body. He does exactly the opposite. He says that this perishable body will put on a new set of clothing, the imperishable body. We will become increasingly physical. Increase, we will increase in the measure of who we are and what we are, not kind of wafting off and becoming spirits that float. Once the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the same. And here he quotes those crazy prophets who spoke for God. Death is swallowed up in victory. And then hear this. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? Now, these are the words of God. He doesn't look at death with a great solemnity, seriousness, trembling before the great power of death. God looks and puts in the mouths of his people a song meant to mock. To to look at death to not tremble in fear, but to laugh. To say in the face of death, where is your victory? What happened to your sting, death? And this is what I want for us in this season of Lent. A season of learning to gain, not to carry our sins around with us the reminder of the pains of death with us. But rather to learn the glorious and good rhythm of the moment you recognize your sin, confessing it. Confessing your sins and believing again that Christ has borne your sins and death, death has been completely overcome. To, to learn the practice in this season of every single day remembering your baptism that you have already died. The penalty for your sins has already been paid. The glory of the Christian faith, and particularly of substitution, we talk about the substitutionary atonement, that Christ died in our place. Well, that's, that's only part of it. It's true. But the glory of it is that um, we confess that in our baptism, we are actually united with Jesus. Such that, that when Jesus died on the cross, bearing the penalty for our sins, we died on the cross, bearing the penalty for our sins. That when Christ was put down in the grave, dead, we have already died. When Christ came out of the grave, in our union with Jesus by our baptism, we confess and say we have been raised with Christ. The glory of the gospel that you should remind yourself every day and in the face of every sin, every sin that would shame you, every sin that you would carry, every sin that you'd be tempted to persist in, every sin that reminds you of the power of death, 
Remind yourself in that moment and remind one another this season again and again. Christ has died. Christ has been raised. In Christ, I have died. In Christ, I have been made alive. We're going to move now to a time of placing the ashes on your head. The imposition of ashes. It's the official technical term for it. And it's a funny term. Um, And the ashes are meant to remind you one of, um, I, I think one of the beautiful things about Ash Wednesday is a reminder of the smallness of your life. From dust you have come to dust you have returned is one of the, um, uh, you will return, is one of the traditional sayings said as the ashes are placed on your forehead. Um, but but it's, it's also um, a reminder that, that death is the penalty for sin. That as we look out and look forward to, to, um, to Easter Sunday, we, we are reminded of the fact that Christ has conquered death for us. And so tonight, I want us to end by, by being rem- reminded of our baptism through these ashes. And so we're gonna, you're going to move this way and come down this aisle. Um, and as you come forward, um, you'll receive the ashes. And then you can either go back to your seat and sit and reflect for a moment. Um, but when you're ready, you can leave. Um, we've placed uh, the bowl that we use for baptism in the back of the room. Um, and the idea is not that you need to be rebaptized. The idea is that the waters are there to remind you Um, that God in your baptism has washed away sin and death. And so we'd encourage you to use the water to to start scrubbing um, the ashes off your head. Please don't stand there and spend the next hour trying to get the ashes off your head. Um, But to to use this little little mechanism as a reminder of, of what Lent is for. It's not meant to be this endless introspection into your sin. It's meant to be an endless reminder and celebration of your baptism. So Father, we come now and ask that you would help us by your spirit to again remember, to remember the victory that has been won by Christ, that the burden has been lifted and taken from us, that we would live as those who've been freed from sin and freed from the pain and the power of death. In your name we pray, amen.